0: I'm Casey Feiney, and this is Fast Company's Creative Conversation, a podcast where we tap into some of the most creative minds in film, TV, music, and beyond. We're tackling the mental roadblocks these creatives have encountered on projects or moments where they felt stuck in their careers. By diving into the problem, finding out how they overcame it and the lessons they learned from it, you'll hopefully have a clear blueprint on how to manage your own creativity. Killer Mike has never been one to keep his opinions to himself. Whether he's stumping for politicians or calling out racial inequality, the outspoken rapper and activist has been using his platform and his craft to make change happen. And now he's got a Netflix show to add to his arsenal. Trigger warning is exactly the kind of show it sounds like. In it, Killer Mike bum rushes topics like education and religion, as only Killer Mike knows how to do. And in our conversation, he talks about why trigger warning is necessary viewing, even if you get triggered easily, and how he's balancing his art and activism. <laughs> oh, we're about to get into it now. Yeah. We're about to get into this. Yeah, here we go. So, Mike, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks I for really having me. Appreciate it. it. Yeah, so. You have a new show on Netflix called Trigger Warning and honestly I can't imagine a better type of show for someone like you because it's the perfect mix of entertainment and information and these real world social experiments so I'd love to start things off by asking you I mean how did this all come about
1: I it's a it's a you know I own barbershops with my wife we um we own a shop in State Farm Arena down in Atlanta we got one on 365 Edgewood Avenue and mm-hmm. So, you're a black guy. You get your hair cut at barbershops. All of these things have been yelled and screamed and talked about in my barbershop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I've had <laughs> the idea to for... Uh, um, black street gangs to enter the, the free market capitalism for over 10 years of my life. Right. I grew up with Gangster Disciples and Crips as friends, but I didn't grow up with them on some BS. I grew up with them organizing in the community against police brutality. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I was with the former ambassador of the United States and former mayor of Atlanta, Andrew Young, yesterday, and he was telling Dominique Wilkins, like, when I first met Mike, he and a bunch of other kids were literally knocking down my door his mayor <laughs> to say, we deserve some say in Atlanta. And those right. kids were Crips and gangster disciples, and and amongst other kids, but you know the main the main guys were guys who people society would have thrown away. Mm -hmm. These guys have went on to become you know U.S. servicemen, preachers, ministers, business people. They grew up to be functional adults because they were engaged young enough. So my theory is, as as I was scrolling through Facebook one day, I was like, oh, I could buy a Hell's Angels (laughs) T-shirt. Now Hell's Angels and and biker clubs. Are genius in that they admit, okay, we have one percent of us that are rogues, that mm. are vandals, but ninety nine percent of us just riding bikes, right? Right. So exactly. They what what this system is great at. If you're white Anglo-Saxon and Protestant, it is great at allowing you to create the rules. Oh yeah. Right. Oh, so please. you get to create <laughs> rules and scenarios, even even if you can't create them for everybody. Like if you've ever watched Sister Wives, uh-huh. <laughs> Sister Wives should be should be called My Bitch and Some Baby Mamas, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, but because they frame it beautifully, you know what I mean? Like I know eight niggas that live. His sister lies, lie. You know what I'm saying? But, so I, which, which you know, what, what I wanted to do with this is take chance to to break the system to say let's try this. So I took some brothers who are who are members of the Crips organization mm-hmm. and we we started a, a, a soda company, Crippa Cola. Yeah. You know, I challenged the notion that the devil is us. You know, as black people, you know, your grandparents say the devil actually, right. the devil. Exactly. I think white Jesus is the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I think looking at a deity that does not look like you mm-hmm. is fundamentally wrong. Right. It is fundamentally, I would dare I say almost evil. Mm-hmm. Because if I don't see something divine in myself, how am I ever going to treat myself in a divine way? And how am I ever going to see a divinity in those that look like me? Exactly. Yeah.
0: So that's the thing. I mean that and what I love about it is that you're talking about, you know, rebuilding the education system or yeah. teach uh, t- telling kids like, "Hey, you know, it's not practical to dream big. Like, you need to learn some <laughs> trades. And you made—and through that, you wound up making a porno that was teaching trade skills. Yeah. And you helped the Crips develop a soda. Yeah. So just when it comes to—because this could have easily been— Three pornos, too. Three pornos. I por- don't want people to know. We <laughs> have, no, right? Exactly. We have straight porno. We have gay guy porno uh-huh. and gay women porno. So exactly. You, get, you, covered you, hit, you covered all, all the— All the markets. Yeah, all the markets. <laughs> I didn't cover <laughs> fetishes, you know. That's the thing, because I feel like this show could have easily become, like, you as some— Kind of disembodied host voice, like being like, "Oh, these are some issues, whatever." But yeah. what I love about it is that you're you're right that you're right there along for the ride, like you're Absolutely. learning along with everybody else. And so, you know, is there anything? like while creating the show that surprised you because obviously you're a very well informed guy but yeah, you know in, in really kind of diving into these topics well
1: if for, like my show triggered me yeah, I, I didn't
0: <laughs> stay for the shooting of the porno things right. like as progressive as I am the I just don't find guys enough, <laughs> to, enough to
1: kiss and I don't like other women enough if my wife ain't in the room to be in the room with them naked you have to get your wife's clearance for <laughs> yeah, <that. laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> she
0: wasn't really feeling yeah, it well, you know, it's
1: like when dancers tell me I like you well go talk to Shay if you exactly. like us maybe we'll work something out but um, you know, I as informed as I am, you only know what you know, mm-hmm. and you're. And I'm here to learn. Yeah, like, I'm here. I'm here to learn, and I'm. And life is an adventure. <clears throat> whether it was the sex positive black woman that we got to oversee the pornographies to make sure oh, that she was they, great. they were wasn't she, she was um, I learned so much from her mm-hmm. I already knew where a G spot was right. but <laughs> beyond that you right. know what she taught me about acceptance of other people what she taught me about um, sex positivity and how to engage and how to not fear others that are different from me you know it's something you have an inkling you want to do but then there are people who are practical and teach you how to do it you mm-hmm. know um, for for me um, seeing a black heterosexual man who can't fix a lamp learn to fix a lamp from a gay homosexual, you know, mm-hmm. from, a, from a homosexual white man right. is radical on television. Right. Because, you know, what society stereotypes is that's the other way around. You know, this man lost his job, taught himself to be a handyman on YouTube, buys reclaims lumber, makes amazing furniture. He just happens to like guys. Yeah. I don't, I'm not going to not like him because he likes guys. Right. I'm going to learn how to build furniture from him, how to right. wire my lamp, and I'm going to understand at the end of it, like my mother's friend Chuck from years years ago when I was a kid, that people are just people no Mm -hmm. matter who they lay with love when it comes to the Crips I know those young men have genius in them the one Yale in particular Um, Yale is already a businessman he at one point in the show he talks about having to go to treacherous neighborhoods and hawk his his goods and stuff he does that I've seen him pull up in rival neighborhoods Mm -hmm. open his trunk pull out merchandise to sell. He's a family man. He's a great father. So he's more than a gang member or street fraternity member. He is already a businessman. My thing is how do I help him scope his business up? Mm-hmm. From a thousand dollar business to a million dollar business, you know? exactly. So for me, I just we have these. As a black guy, you know, these are arguments we have in barbershops.
0: Exactly. You know, and no, and it, you
1: know, it's like that meme that says, "If you can lead a street gang, you can start a business." I just wanted to put it in the real world and see how it works. Right. You know, we really ask for a loan, and you can see what happens when That's, we ask <laughs> for a loan. And-
0: <laughs> I was gonna say that was, that was so <laughs> frustrating because I mean, you go with the Crips, and like uh, like you mentioned, like they obviously have they are businessmen just yep. not in the traditional sense mm-hmm. the quote unquote traditional sense and it was so I felt so bad for them because it's like you know they're asking this loan officer for a loan and he's just like you know so what exactly is your business and they're trying to find the best way to spin it and like, <laughs> these guys are smart but like they just don't have it like down on paper the way quote unquote needs and to be and you know
1: what's funny is my wife and I started a barbershop six years ago. That was us. Yeah, we just opened the shop. Didn't do the licensing right. first, so we didn't. Not until the license lady came around and threatened to <laughs> take <laughs> and shut us down. And we, you know what I'm saying? So this this is how it works. Entrepreneurship is not neat and clean and and, and dope. It's messy and it's not awful and it's frustrating. Right. And you learn right. as you go. So right. you know I, what? I in each episode I found a humanity. that I I wasn't looking for from a person
0: I wasn't looking for. Nice. And even on, because that, Really, probably is one of my favorite episodes. I mean, the whole series is amazing, but <laughs> what I really loved that, about that episode in particular was the focus group. Yeah. Because, like, when you brought all these soda enthusiasts who just happened to be w- m- white men, I think one was uh, yeah, that was one Latino, La- one Latino that was he, was he was a firecracker, Mario, uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <But> Mario. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was so interesting because obviously you gave them the soda, they tasted it, we like it, mm-hmm. but when the the focus group leader was like, "This is a soda for Crips," instantly it was like, "Oh, I don't want to drink. I'm in a well, ba- shot My Crips, not right. for Crips." exactly yep. and so it was like it, their mind instantly switched to fear Murdered, and was just, violence exactly is yep. and they were they were behind the glass watching yeah. and so it kind of turned into this whole conversation about racial perceptions yep. and like it I found that so interesting so was that always I'd love to hear a little bit more about that episode and just like how you was it purposely you pulling out these uh these 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 kind of social experiment elements to it because it really turned into something a really fascinating conversation.
1: Yeah, well, I did an interview in um, GQ last year. And yeah. I went to a track. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you go to the track, you to be a member of the track, you have to buy a house. Um, in the community, I think the average what? house was like three million dollars. I think it was like eighty-five grand or more a year to be a trackman right now. <laughs> now this is all stuff I do if right. I have the money. Like so, it's basically a bunch of old cool white guys with Ferraris and you know um, Corvettes and Mustangs and Hellcats. Same cars I drive. Right. So we have the same interest. Right. At some point, I have to go to the restroom. When I go to the restroom. Right. I don't see pictures of Ronald Reagan or George Washington. I don't mm-hmm. see pictures of. Famous patriots. I see pictures of Whitey Bulger, hmm. Al Capone, you know Sinatra. All oh, the who represented right. all. all the things that represented bad guyism, yep. criminality, coolness with exactly. Frank Sinatra. And I was like, wow all white guys and young black men have a lot of shit in common. <laughs> we like fast cars, right. topless or bottomless girls, and, and and criminals. We're not so different. We're we American. Right. That's what we are. America right. celebrates criminal culture. Uh, a NASCAR enthusiast will have no problem telling you that moonshining spawned um, NASCAR. People have no problem telling you how, um, say, Joe Kennedy profited from helping Scotch get in mm-hmm. America. But there seems to be a problem when we talk about the real Rick Ross, meaning the Rick Ross, um, not one of my favorite rappers, Rick Ross, of course. but the Rick Ross who helped to facilitate the proliferation of crack cocaine. Mm-hmm. And we have a problem accrediting him with being a business genius. Mm. But he yeah. is. You're right. You know, we have a problem accrediting people like Fat Steve. Mm I don't remember. We have a problem accrediting, you know, we got to admit, if Easy e wouldn't have been a hustler, we would never would have had Ruthless Records, therefore never would have had NWA, Ice Cube, and the West Coast Movement. So you have to celebrate during Black History Month the numbers runner and the liquor man Mm -hmm. who helped pay for a lot of the marches that were happening through the South in the same way you celebrate the banker or the teacher or the lawyer.
0: Yeah, definitely. And so— you know, is this how was it for you developing the show? Because I know that, you know, we've you've... been trying for 10 years. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> me and Daniel Widenfield. We've been, it's, it's been,
1: it's been a 10, and that's why I tell people don't give up. Not right. if you really believe. You know, we yeah. shot an original pilot with FX and it just wasn't as good as this show is. Hmm. They allowed us to take that pilot, then take it and shop it around and say, well, yeah. we're, we're trying to do it this way, not this way. Right. Thanks, thanks to FX for doing that for us. And um, Netflix picked it up, they got it, we threw it together. and... You know, by by your account, it's a dope show, and by others' account, it's a dope show, and I'm hoping the public connects with
0: it. No, it's absolutely amazing because I I love seeing the work that you've been that you've been doing as an organizer and, and 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 through your advocacy work, kind of take shape in this really interesting format. Yeah. And to that point, you know, because you've been such an organizer in your local Atlanta community and the Black community at large, and all at, at which you've been doing fantastic work. But Thank I'm you. you know curious to know like how has the work you've done in the advo- advocacy realm shaped who you are as a rap artist. Well, I mean, if you listen to
1: my music, Back to Monster, my first album when mm-hmm. I was on Equipment Records with OutKast, I mean, you hear, you know, uh, Mama, I don't want to sell dope no more. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? I, like, you, you hear, you hear records like Nietzsche's Song, you know, from a social perspective. Um, you know, I grew up listening to hip hop that... Mm-hmm or hip hop has spoken socially more than any other musical genre I love oh absolutely and I I listen to everything I listen to jazz gospel soul blues rock you know but for me even country I listen to outlaw country music um, rap though has done a an ama- and I, and I need to celebrate us as rappers as MCs as DJs mm-hmm. as cultural curators. We've done an amazing job at sticking up for the working class. We've yeah. done an amazing job at bringing light like, to social issues and bringing balls, bra- you know, balls out brave when other people would not. So, you know, for me, this is just an extension of who I am and what I'm supposed to do. It's been into my music for years and getting an opportunity to put it in a real-world setting on television is something
0: I'm 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 internally gracious, you know, right. grateful to be able to have done Right And speaking of your Your first album I mean it's turning What 16 this year Yeah yeah, I think, yeah. yeah. It's a full on teenager like, <laughs> Do you ever go back And listen to your Your past work I, I,
1: I, as I'm, that happens when I'm with people I know or love or that are fans. Right. I don't sit around listening to Adidas. Okay. Mostly because I never liked that song. Are you serious? I never it. was an Outcast song. They uh, gave that to me because Columbia wanted me to have a Reaction was supposed to be the next thing. Okay. Yeah. All but, right. but, now, and, and not that I hate the song, it's just right. I don't spend all day thinking about sex. Right. I got a hot <laughs> wife, so it's a significant a part of right. my day, but I spend a lot of time talking, thinking about money and black people, too. Right, right. <laughs> but, but, um, You know, and when I'm with someone, like, I had a friend, if if I'm around, God in the building is going to be played, and they're going to remind me this song is taking them through hard times. I Pledge Allegiance to the Grind is something, Mm -hmm. that series of underground albums I did is something people. So, when I'm around people, but for me, you know, my thing is I love RTJ 1, 2, and 3, but I'm ready to make RTJ 4. Absolutely. So, my mind is always on the next album, not the last
0: album. I mean, but just... Thinking back for a second, I mean, like, how would you say that you've that you've evolved as a rapper? Because I've, I mean, you've you've have what five solo albums your yeah. belt three with Run the Jewels, yep. working on your fourth. I mean, you've yeah. you have like a, a impressive body of work and yeah. kind of a short amount of time. Yeah, I mean, I've been honestly. working, man. Um, right. So, how would you say you've evolved as? I just a rapper? I get better. You yeah. know,
1: I, I I honestly am becoming a better MC every every album. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm pushing my limit in terms of styles. Um, I'm pushing my limit in terms of cadence. I'm pushing my limit in terms of You know visually how I show it, and as we as run the jewels in terms of our stage show, Mm -hmm. are trying to provide top tier production and stage shows. You know we went from playing together 300 people rooms to now playing five to eight thousand people. You know theaters and and amphitheaters, and hopefully coliseums one day. So, you know um, technically I'm always trying to be a dope rapper. As an MC, I'm always trying to entertain and be better. So I would argue I'm one of the few rappers that gets better with age.
0: Hmm. No, that's true. Yeah, I I think I'm seasoned. Right. So I mean, how do you is that just something that's like innate in you to it's kind of innate. have that? It's yeah, cuz the people I look people. up to. to yeah. you
1: know, I look up to E40, I look up to Bun mm-hmm. B, you know what I mean? I look up I look up to to me the greatest rapper of all time is Scarface, you know, since mm-hmm. 1987 this man has been, you know, he's not dropped a whack album. Yeah. And I, that's that's my intention. Right. Know? So, you know, for for me, I I want to be timeless how they are.
0: That's what I was going to ask you. I mean, is it ever frustrating for you knowing that, you know, you have... And not to say that other rappers don't, but, like, you clearly have such respect for the craft, and you really yeah. are trying to improve your craft. Yeah, and some people are just happy almost yeah. being just like a flash in the pan. And, that's and they fine. kind of get that, you know, yeah, that instant success. Yeah. Like, does that ever just kind of frustrate that's you? That's fine. That's yeah. just...
1: It's, uh, yeah, I've, I've learned to quail envy really quickly. I'm not... Mm. You know, my my, two of my best friends on earth are Big Boy and T I. Yeah. If you're a person that carries envy in your heart, you're not gonna be able to be a good friend. (laughs) Like I tell my friends, y'all white people rich. (laughs) Y'all y'all done had been more y'all done actually built houses on the Billboard charts. You know. (laughs) For me, you know, I'm happy doing what I love doing and I'm happy to be making a living doing what I love doing because I didn't want to resent doing what I love doing. I didn't want to be aspirational. I wanted to be a rapper. I wanted to be a rapper at nine. I wanted to be a rapper when I heard Chuck D. Mm I wanted to be a rapper when I heard Ice T, Ice Cube. I wanted to be a rapper when I heard, you know, entertainment, you know, about fee. I wanted to be a rapper. And so I'm living my dream. Now, with that said, because that's my dream and I've been more focused on the longer career and improving styles that I've had to figure out how to be a businessman. Yeah. You know, because you have to pay your bills so you don't resent what you love because you aren't paying bills. So in the time that rap did not pay my bills to the full extent, you know, I started a barbershop. I started real estate business. My wife and I, uh, you know, we we managed to figure out being just a regular middle class family and we still live like that even though I make millions of dollars singing and dancing (laughs) and having a bunch of fun. (laughs) I still, you know, um, the universe put me in a place where I appreciate to level up. I grew up a working class kid in Atlanta. I now live as a middle-class man, you yeah. know, in Southwest Atlanta. And, you know, hopefully one day, you know, I'll I'll be a very wealthy old black man with influence in my community to do better. I you mean, know? you're on the track for that.
0: <laughs> and I mean, we talked about, well, you mentioned it, obviously, with Run The Jewels. I mean, it was just obviously a rap duo with uh, the Me producer and LP, rapper L.P. The great,
1: greatest rapper
0: and producer of all Fantastic. time. Fantastic. Writes telling... all his own raps, makes all his own beats. He's insane. And I'm, I know both of you have had, you both had respected careers as solo artists. But collectively, it really is... Something unique with Run the Jewels. Like, yeah. I feel like, and I, you have to know that because like, your shows special. are yeah, insane. Thank you. Like, so thank the reception you. people get from it. So, you know, with that being said, I mean, how has working within a duo changed or challenged your grew creative me. process as it a solo grew, artist? Yeah, it grew play? me.
1: It grew me. It grew me. Like, it's it's easy to get locked in your own head. Like, yeah. I made Pledge 3 by myself in Tree Sound. Shouts out to Molly and Groove. <laughs> Pledge was an amazing record. The song Ric Flair was amazing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, it had a one vibe on it. It was soulful. It was dope. And with that said... I didn't know where I was going to go or grow after that. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And getting an opportunity to make rap music with LP, who was resistant to do the whole album at first, but I aggravated really? the shit out of him. Because <laughs> he was working <laughs> on his own solo record. Right, That's why right. I records ended up dropping within a week of one. That's, another. okay, right. You know, that was the beginning of the Inkling, because I did a record on his record, he did a record on mine. That was the, that was the beginning, the the, the germination of the seed that became Running Jewels. So, yeah. you know... Working with Elle has grown me. It's made me a more disciplined and focused rapper. It's made me more willing to, to experiment with styles I may not have would have. And, and, you know, sometimes, man, you know I say, teamwork teamwork makes the dream work. It really does. Yeah. It's good to have a comrade and a partner next to you. Right. It's good to have someone who really gives
0: a damn about it with you and you guys pushing together. And, I mean, what is it about that partnership that works both on a personal and creative level? Because a lot of people can't do both. Yeah, I don't know. I just love them.
1: Yeah. I love him. I love him as a whole human being. I yeah. think he is one of the most earnest and sincere and loving human beings I've met. You know, he's a he's a white kid from Brooklyn, New York, who was born <laughs> the same year. He loves rap music, just like this black Southern kid from Atlanta does. Right. And we have had many of the same and different influences, and the energy just flows. Like, I can't—you know, don't, I don't know why I love my wife more than any other woman I've ever been with, I just know that there's something that says, yo, don't let her go, fool. Right. You know, so I can't explain why LP and I are, are perfect. Right. You know, as a rap group, I just know that I recognized it early. Yeah. And I was not willing to let it go or Definitely. to negate it or to let any feeling of ego or self-inflation
0: get in the way of it. Right. I mean, he talked about how he pushes you to kind of get out of your head and pushes you to be better. Like, how would you say you push him? I
1: think the same thing. Yeah. You know, I think the same thing. I think, I think, um, I think we do it for one another. I don't think, I don't think, I don't think you get certain records that have that capture a certain willful southern soul LP over those records without me, mm-hmm. you know, because I bring that to the group. I, I don't think you get that in-your-face cold punch you in the face East Coast you know guttural sound I don't get even though I've been looking for that my whole career right I got it with LP you yeah. know what I mean and it, so it's just like peanut butter and jelly RT and J, we the new PB and J right. in theory <laughs> peanut butter and jelly don't even sound good together right <laughs> I mean, right that's a good and, way and to look unless at you had a peanut butter and right. jelly sandwich but you're like oh shit
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's the best way to put you guys in a relationship like on the outside you're just like nah nah I don't think so yeah jelly's <laughs> supposed to go on biscuits the fuck I want
1: peanut butter on a biscuit for it then you put on some white bread you're like oh, shit, this is the best (laughs) thing ever.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, that's the thing, because you mentioned you're working on Run the Jewels 4, but with that, I mean, that you've just got, you obviously have this show, you're working on this album, and we can't even forget about, like, your political advocacy because, I mean, like, you are so dedicated specifically to Atlanta and really, you know, getting your hands dirty with the community organizing there. So, I mean, how you, no one's saying that you can't do it all, but I it's hard to do everything well. Nah. So how are you managing your focus? You just
1: do what you put here to do. I'm first and foremost Michael Render, Shayna's husband, mm-hmm. you know, Malik, Anaya, Pony, and Mikey's dad. Mm-hmm. You know, that's my first job that I've promised myself, my family, you know, my creators, that I'm going to take care of myself, take care of this woman and these children. So right. that's my job as a cornerstone. Bigger than that, I have to be an active participant in my community or I can't complain, you know. I can't congratulate or complain because I'm not being active. Right. So my grandmother and my grandparents here just taught me to be a part of your community in an active way. My sister isn't a community organizer. My sister has a garden that helps feed seven other families, wow. you know. So my sister's just doing what my grandparents did. Yeah. You know, and my other sister's an accountant. She helps people who can't afford it just get their financial life in order. So, you know, for me, it's it's about that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of being a businessman, that's something I've had to learn to do, yeah. right? In terms of being a rapper, I have a great job I get to sing and dance for a living I get to take a few months off those things are pretty easy they're not really hard it's not hard to creatively be dope with Elle right. it's not hard to 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 make myself be disciplined enough to learn how to run the swag shops every day on an everyday basis but what what is incredibly hard sometimes is making sure that Mikey gets enough time with her dad mm-hmm. that Pony gets enough hugs and, and says I love you yeah. and that my wife who shares me with the world understands that I'm hers and hers alone
0: that's true you know? Oh, that's a good way of putting it. I mean, and that's the thing. I feel like, uh, you know, when it comes to – I just find that your career has really taken – a really interesting pivot and now yeah. and i want to i want to see more because i would love to see more shows like trigger one i'd love to see well I would, you know, season two is what i'm calling right do, we do, want a season go. two yeah we right. want season two and so i mean so is there anything like when you when you look at your career like what knowing how full it is right yeah. now i mean where well, else would you want to take well, it
1: well no no group to me is a super group or a power group without four perfect four classic appropriate records so you're talking about epmd outcast led zeppelin mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so for me run the juice four is the beginning of run the jewels. Mm. We have to make this record incredible. Yeah. Because you need the four. Right? Oh, so yeah. So so that we're shooting for the four. With that said, I won't run the jewels um i want the run the jewels movie that we've been talking about <laughs> <playing>. i want to <laughs> see that you know i want i want us to be the modern day blues brothers you know i, would, Which, I we
0: got to taste if people listening watch the first episode of trigger warning whenever like you two are just like freaking fracking oh, yeah. <laughs> <You guys laughs> like, and that's us for real like right. this is really me <laughs> and <El>. him <laughs> um
1: i would i would like i would like to i would like to get you know 15 years more in with run the jewels and go into the rock and roll hall of fame i would yeah. love to win some grammys i would love to plateau up what underground rap is considered in the way that we have been you know mm-hmm. i like singing and dance on stage making millions of dollars that's fine but i want to make history with l i want us yeah. to make movies i want to do more television right. you know i'm already in um sitting i go to l.a in a few days writing for my next show you know mm. my my plan is to be who i've been since i've been a child and that's one person who uses their imagination for my personal benefit and the benefit of off entertainment. You know, I wish to keep edutaining, entertaining, and just doing dope shit. Right.
0: I mean, so... Would you say that? Because you mentioned a few times that it was really when it came to uh, learning the business side that that was such a steep learning curve for you. So would you say that that has been the most challenging part of your career so far? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. It's been it's been challenging because you, what you want to do is sit around and pout and say the world hasn't been nice to me. Mm-hmm. What you got to do is pull yourself up by your shelves and work your ass off. So yeah. you know, this year Ti and I bought a 50-year-old restaurant called Bankhead Seafood. We're mm-hmm. going to re- revamp that restaurant. We're going to open it back up. It's going to serve as a jobs provider in the community that's gentrifying, but working-class people still live. Hopefully, we're going to make that restaurant a regional chain. I now have three um, Shade, Wash, and Groom shops in Atlanta. Our goal wow. is to have um, open two more this year. We have one at State Farm Arena. We want to open in more arenas. We want to be more places. We want you to employ tradesmen and skilled barbers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I got a plan. I'm hoping it works out, but I got to, you know, I gotta,
0: nice. gotta get out here and see. All right. And last question. I mean, this is a this is a podcast about creativity. So gotcha. if you could leave our listeners with one creative Bit of advice, what would it be, man?
1: Feed your imagination, feed it, feed it, feed it. A lot of people see me and Shayna go to strip clubs. Yeah, right <laughs> like, man, you're so lucky. Your wife goes to strip clubs. Like we're not just going. To. Strip clubs is about for us in Atlanta. I don't like strip clubs in say Portland as much as I do Atlanta. Well, I mean, not would, that they always you know, tell you they you know got a lot in Portland, Portland. but you be like, man, <laughs> she dressed like Tupac, <laughs> but. In Atlanta you get a you get a you get a, a social vibe. It's a juke joint. You yeah. watch Color Purple essentially it's, yeah. it's, a, it's like harpos. It's right. a juke joint. Everybody knows everybody's like cheers. You know what I mean? You're hungry when high school it might be naked. Right. but, <laughs> but um, it's it's a it's a real vibe. I just say it keeps my imagination alive to be in there listening. You know, it's one thing to hear the Migos on the radio in your car. It's another thing to see the club get lit to these three kids who you told your wife five years ago. They're going to blow up. They don't mm. trust me. You know, so for me, feed your imagination. Going to the high museum um, with my 11-year-old daughter feeds my imagination. Listening to a room full of children tell you that they're going to be doctor and create a, a, a rocket to go to the moon and kill science. Right. You know. Stop putting yourself or allowing yourself to remain in the box that people told you were in once you entered kindergarten. Feed that one to four-year-old imagination and watch the world change. Beautiful, man. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you for having me. I sincerely appreciate you. Thanks, man.
0: Love. Thanks so much for listening to our first episode of Creative Conversation Season 2. It feels so good to be back in the studio chatting with such talented and innovative thinkers across entertainment. And we've got a lot of great stuff coming for you this season, so make sure you subscribe. Also, don't be afraid to give us some feedback. I really do love hearing from our listeners. So make sure to leave a review for Creative Conversation, or even hit me up on Twitter with your comments. I am a pretty easy person to track down, I promise you. So thank you again to all our listeners in season one and welcome new listeners to season two of Creative Conversation. See you soon.